0: I've seen over and over again in my life that the things I want to hold on to the most become such a blessing in my life when I turn them over to the Lord in full surrender. And if you were with us in church last week, we talked about turning over the past to God, that all of us have that thing that we're holding on to that should be a part of our past, but we're keeping it a part of our present. And so it's compromising our future. And over and over and over again, I've seen, not just with money, not just with talent, but with circumstances, if you will be willing to lay it at the feet of Jesus, God has the capacity to bless and to multiply in a way that I think is going to overwhelm us with the future that he's going to create through us. I love that the band is coming down to back me up on the front row when nobody else will. Matt Cole will. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being... And then the, you guys are are just bold and brave. And I know I got my amens coming from this corner today. If you haven't been with us, what have we been studying all summer, church? Li- I would love it if somebody didn't know the answer to that. It's like we're just... We're failing as, as a church. Um... Philippians is a New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul. While he's imprisoned in Rome, it's written to his, I would say, his favorite church relationally, a church in Philippi that he founded 10 years prior to this moment. And what he wants to do is prepare the Philippian church for what life will look like without him, but he also wants to shore up his relationship with him because they are questioning whether or not he's being very effective in spreading the gospel in Rome because he's in prison. That's the context of why this letter was written, and I just say that over and over and over again because I never want the Bible to become a collection of stories that we study for biblical knowledge. I always want to make sure when we read the Word of God that we're reading the Word of God for life transformation, that we're reading the Word of God knowing that Jesus is the living Word, and when we get a revelation of who God is from the Word, we're getting a revelation of His person, not of facts about Him. So the fact that God can use letters written by real people in jail cells. That just speaks to me today. It speaks to me that the Bible was not written in a library by an author who was setting out to explain God. It was written by a former Jewish leader who had been arrested and persecuted for his faith and thought Jesus was worth it all. Better by far. And so, if you have your Bible, hold it up at Ham Wilson Arena, hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Love the 830. Gosh, you just get more and more spiritual every week. Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 15. Shockingly, we only have 3 sermons left in Philippians and then our summer series is over. This summer flying by. So hot. Flying by. And so we got this sermon this week and then next Sunday, next Sunday is special y'all. Our student pastor, Tyler Miller is making his preaching debut in like in life, in life. This is his first sermon of I believe thousands. Welcome to the club, bro. Next week. It's it's a life that if you can, I always tell people, if you can do anything else, go do it. But if God gets you to this point where you have to do this, and I believe God's gotten Tyler to that point. And so before this series started, I was like, okay, I want to give him like a gift of a passage. So I gave him the beginning of Philippians chapter four. He's going to be talking about anxiety. If you struggle with anxious thoughts, you want to come to church next Sunday. And then I'm going to finish it out on August 4th, and we're going to jump into fall in a special way. But I believe God has a word for this moment right here and right now, Philippians chapter 3, verse 15. Right after Paul said that we forget what lies behind, we're straining forward toward the future, he says this. If you're there, say, I'm there. Amen. Here we go. Once again, if you need a Bible, you give your name and address to the info table on the way out. You will have a Bible by Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Amazon Prime. We're not joking about that. We sent out a lot of Bibles this week. We do not mind. We will pay for it. We will get you a Bible. Philippians 3.15. Here's what it says. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. This is so good. Paul says all of us who are mature, who are being perfected, who are developing our faith should think this way about things. What way? What we said last week future minded, not past minded. Anybody delete time hop this week? Anybody jump on the bandwagon? Come on, it's a good life when you're living toward the future instead of stuck in a moment previously. And time hop's not the enemy. I got all kinds of emails and text messages like, what's your deal with time hop? Which, listen, I love it. It was an illustration. Jesus is the point, not a vendetta against an app. And so um, Paul's saying, hey, if you're mature, you'll think toward the future, just like I just said. And then I love this. If on some point you think differently, God will reveal that to you. I love Paul's internal security and health. He's like, if you disagree with me, God will reveal to you that you're wrong. That's basically what he just said. Now, don't try that at home, especially husbands in the room, because um, I, I, I've tried. And so if, if you take a moment and go, you know what? You don't have to think the way I think. You don't have to agree with my thought process. But I believe so strongly in this that if Christ lives in you, he's going to reveal it on his own time. Before we started ACC, my former lead pastor would say, Miles, I trust Christ in you. And I learned over time that that wasn't a compliment. He would say that to me when he strongly disagreed with what I was saying. He would say, I trust Christ in you. And now I've started to do it. So if I ever say, I trust Christ in you, you're probably in a bad relationship, headed down a bad road. And I'm just trying to give you confidence in that moment to go, hey, it's probably going to be okay if Jesus lives on the inside of you. It's like a it's like a backhanded way of saying, I think you're crazy, but hopefully God's going to be faithful from within. Paul's like, listen, if you disagree with me on this, I, I believe he's going to reveal it on his time. Now, keep in mind context. In Philippians 3, Paul is correcting false Jewish teaching, a Jewish bend on Christianity. It's not really relevant in what we struggle with today, but 2,000 years ago, this was the issue for the church. Because Christianity was simply a section of Judaism, so when people realize, oh my gosh, Jesus paid the price for us to come back from sin and death, give us a perfect relationship with God, what do you think we're supposed to do with all these rules and restrictions from the law that Jesus came to fulfill and replace through a relationship with our Heavenly Father? And there was all kind of debate. And the Judaizers, the Jewish teachers, would come into a church like Philippi and say, listen, listen, we love Jesus. Jesus is great. But you... You need Jesus and our dietary laws. Like you need to eat the way that we eat. And you need Jesus and all the men need to be circumcised. You need Jesus and all this other stuff. And then you have completed what God wants for you. Now look at Philippians 3.16. I love it. 3.16. You always think about John 3.16. This is a really important verse. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. That's Christianity in a sentence. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. The difference between Christianity and Judaism is Christianity is not the pursuit of God. Christianity is the recognition that God has pursued us and agreeing with Him and responding with gratitude and praise and generosity and all of the things that flow from someone who's already been redeemed, not someone who's working on redemption. Let us live up. To what we have already attained, it's not an effort to fulfill a law so that God will be pleased. It's a recognition that God is already pleased with me, and now my whole life is a response called worship. It's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. I was really convicted by this verse. You don't know why I love summer in Auburn. I love summer at ACC. Because our our church becomes scalable size-wise. I, I feel less intimidated in talking to some of you and having relationships, like real relationships with people because it's not like this, Mass of people that just seems impossible and like, oh my gosh, what do we do with all of these college students? And what do we do with all these new families? And I love summer because I feel like I get to really engage and have conversations. And if I haven't had a conversation with you personally, I'm sorry. I did not ask for this church to get to the size that it got to as quick as it did. There was a day where I would know your name. I would know your kids' names. I would know your pet's names and I don't even like dogs or cats. And so I like, I would know you. I've gotten to know Several families personally, and I got to tell you, I'm, I am challenged by the faith that is rising up in our church. And I would love to get up in front of you on a Sunday and say, Hey, this is what Paul says a lot. Like just, just do what I do. Just live the way I live. But just to be honest with you, I'm learning a lot from our people and I'm feeling a lot of things inside of me exposed by the way you live. I'm at a dinner with some couples last night and hearing about the the faith that's growing at that table. And my wife and I are looking at each other like, we need to change. Like, we we have got to become more like these people that say that they are following us. I'm, I'm figuring out this dynamic of being as young as I am in a church with the ages and the life seasons that they have. But I'm humble enough to say, I can't confidently say, hey, just do what I do. Watch what I do. And I would say, Matt would probably agree, too. Like, we, we can't stand up here and go, hey, just do what we do, and you'll be fine. Your life will look great. I love the dynamic of humility that we have here, where the younger generation can learn from the older. And some of the older families in this room, I'm just blown away by the risk that you have taken to be here. And I'm learning, and I'm not complete by any means, but I love being a part of this body of believers. And thank you for believing in this. Thank you for dealing with the offensive, off-the-cuff things that I say sometimes, I'm working on that. If you were here the first year, you would have left. And so, uh, man, just just blown away. I love you guys. I really do. Here's where we're going to be living. Look at verse 18. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things." But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Look at the person next to you and say, that's good. That's that's really good. That's a great section of verses. So mark this in your Bible. This is the only known place in the Bible where Paul cries while he writes something. Only spot says, all right, I'm in tears while I'm writing this. Now I'm in tears because many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. That's the Judaizers, those teachers that are saying, Hey, add all these laws to what Jesus did. And I love that Paul's not just angry. He's sad for them that they don't get it. And what are his three statements about them? Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Now, notice Paul, a few chapters earlier, when he was correcting false motives about Jesus, he still celebrated the preaching of Jesus. But when there's a false gospel, it must be corrected and it must be condemned. There's a difference. Remember, not everybody who preaches in a way that you don't agree with is a false teacher. Some of them just have motives that you should question and still celebrate that the gospel is going out. But when you got a false gospel, when you got there, that's not the message of Jesus, guys because what are they doing their destiny is destruction because they don't have a sacrifice for sins if you try to add to the cross you're an enemy of the cross their god is their stomach they're living for dietary restrictions they're trying to serve their own stomach going man this is it's so important what we eat and their glory is in their shame the thing that they are the most proud of physically is the thing they should be ashamed of circumcision says so they're enemies their mind is set on earthly things. Now, this is where it collides with ACC. Everybody look up here and don't miss this. I, I know I had to talk a lot about Judaism and circumcision and food laws, but I don't think you're struggling today with whether or not God wants you to eat pork or not. I, I really don't think that's your issue. If you're walking in and that is, I have a separate counseling session with the elders and we'll help you very quickly. You can. And so um, I, I don't think you're walking in wondering that. But when it says, and we'll highlight this on the screen, their mind is set on earthly things, I was like, that's me, that's us, there's our problem. And that is why this installment of our Philippians series is going to be titled, Mind is Set, Mind is Set. Look at the person you ignored the last time I asked you to talk to somebody and say, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. The mind is set. I believe that our problem today lies In the way we allow ourselves to think about ourselves, about life, about God, and about others. We're going to talk about renewing the mind. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know this is one of, if not the most consistent practical teaching of the Apostle Paul. Paul teaches over and over and over again that what Jesus has done for you on the cross is complete. You receive the Holy Spirit by grace through faith. I believe he died. I believe he rose. I want to give my life to him. But your access to the new nature that God has called you to live in in your mortal body has to be accessed through a renewed mind. Meaning you've got to change the way you think. I'm thinking about Romans chapter eight and the difference between the mindset on the flesh and the mindset on the spirit. I'm thinking about Romans chapter 12. That says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. I'm thinking of Colossians chapter 3 that says set your minds on things above. I'm thinking about Ephesians chapter 4 that's all about taking off the old self and putting on the new self. The process of becoming the new you that Jesus calls you is the process of setting your mind according to the new realities God says about you so when I used to preach at youth camps a lot, I do every once in a while now, but I used to a lot when I was a youth pastor, I would always be really intentional with my last talk of the week or of the weekend. And I would either talk about community or I would talk about a renewed mind. And the reason why I would talk about a renewed mind is because middle school and high school students are notorious for going on trips and going to camps and getting on an emotional high in their heart and not understanding that your heart might be high on Jesus, but you still have the same mind between your ears. And so I would tell them that when you go home, you're going home with the same mind you got here with. And that mind has to be renewed daily to the new things that you've tasted, to the new things that you've seen. And if your mind is not renewed, don't be surprised if your mind guards your or guides your heart back into so many of the old places and spaces you used to live. The mind and heart connection is so key and the renewed mind is the key. Did anybody grow up watching those videos, of those weird people dancing? To the renewed mind song. Does anybody know genuinely what I am talking about right now? They they would say the renewed mind is the key. You you have okay. I've gone back and forth about a hundred times this morning about whether or not I was going to show you this. I told our creative team have this video ready. I might show them, but I don't want to scar them. But since no one in the room is even slightly aware of this, and I don't believe that you're actually going to YouTube it, I'm going to show you. You ready? Watch this. Put this on the screen. This is what people would watch growing up in church in the early 80s. This is real. Matt Cole, I hope you're working on this. The renewed mind is the key. The only way to be strong and victory. victory. Alright, let's let that be all. That's real. I'm dead serious. The renewed mind is the key. I grew up and I I thought that was cool. I was like, oh man, like real instruments in church. So once again, when we get the question, why are young fam- why are young people leaving the church? Because they grew up and we showed them stuff like that. You would leave, you would run. The renewed mind is the key. How many of you honestly have seen that video before you walked into this room? You know, okay, okay. I, I knew that it was more than just my weird Southern Baptist Church in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Um, the renewed mind is the key. This this got instilled growing up through weird dancing and weird worship leaders. I love how relevant they believe they are. And I love how when the females are dancing, the guy in the middle is just looking back and forth. Matt's going to have that one ready for the 1030. And so... um, The renewed mind is the key. I believe that the key to guiding your heart into all that Jesus says about you, I don't think I'm going to show it at 1030. I'm just, I'm processing in my mind right now. I believe the key to stepping into all that God has shown you is in resetting your mind to the new reality of your heart. Here's why. Naturally, when you and I wake up in the morning, our hearts long for home. They want to be filled with satisfaction. They want to be aimed at purpose. They want to be included and connected to real relationships. This is not something that you put on the inside of your emotions and your natural inclinations. This was something God given. And so the connection between your heart and your mind is this, your heart knows that you need this stuff. And so your mind searches for it. And so your mind spends most of your day going, okay, that will, that will aim at life. And what, what about this? And this will lead me to the purpose and the acceptance and the validation that I think I want. It's the emptiness of the heart that leads to the focus of the mind. And it is only when you and I learn to set our minds on what Jesus already says about us, instead of search this world for all the ways that might or might not fill, it is only when we get there that we are actually going to taste the new nature that we've been given in Jesus. The byproduct of living your life with a mind that searches this earth for what might fill your heart is always brokenness and disappointment and emptiness and sin. And the reason why you wake up the morning after, the reason why you get to the end of the road again and go, man, that once again didn't give me what it promised is because your mind is searching all over this world to try to send something into your heart that will fill the void that only God can fill. But when Paul wants to tell us the opposite of setting your mind on earthly things, here's what he says. And this is One of the most clear descriptions of how heaven should impact our lives now. Look at verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly body so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, the Philippian church was a very Roman city that it was founded in. So Philippi was like a second Rome. It was founded by former Roman soldiers. And so they're very serious about, man, we are Roman citizens. And Paul's writing, correcting people who are very serious about their Jewish, Israelite citizenship. On both counts, he's going, they have their mindset on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. And I've heard this verse preached in ways that's like, listen, we don't we don't belong as citizens of the country that we call home. We belong in heaven. And I agree with that. And I'm going to hit on that before the sermon is over. But I believe that this verse was written to tell us how to set our minds, that instead of setting your mind on earthly things that may or may not fill for a moment, you set your mind on a heaven reality that says, I don't belong here. If you wake up with your mind convinced that this world has nothing to give you to fill the internal void in your heart, you'll stop looking to the world to fill it and start filling your heart with the new thoughts of your mind that say Jesus is the one who satisfies my heart. His purposes in the world are what are gonna make me fully alive. And now I no longer have to be a slave to how I feel or what I think today. I set my mind according to what Jesus says and my mind informs my heart. It's the other direction, but it starts with your mind actually believing that Jesus is the only one who can give you what you're looking for. In fact, I would say we have very little we can do for you at Auburn Community Church until you get to the point where you actually say, Jesus is the only one who can give me what I'm tempted to look for in this world and in this life. So when we say Jesus wins, we're not just proclaiming something victorious that we believe. We're actually at the end of ourself going, no other option can give me what I really want and what I need. You win, Jesus. You're better, Jesus. And it's not even close. You're better by far. But until you're at that place, don't be surprised if your mind searches up and down through this world to find what your heart is ultimately looking for. And here's the place that you got to get to. You got to get to the place where your mind is more set on heaven having what you need than what's right in front of you today. Here's what I'm saying in one sentence. You ready? Citizens of heaven are fully convinced in their mind that this world has nothing to offer their heart. Citizens of heaven are fully convinced in their mind that this world has nothing to offer their heart. The only source of life is heaven that lives in you. So when we talk about our citizenship is in heaven. Well, it's like, man, ultimately all these desires in my heart are not going to be really satisfied and full until I'm there. Yes, that's true. Part of this process is always going to be broken and a little bit empty because we are this side of eternity. And when Jesus does for us what happened for him, resurrected body, we're going to talk about that. We'll get there. But I believe the closest, and maybe not even closest, I believe you can fully get there because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I think in Romans chapter 8, when we set our minds on what the Spirit desires, it gives life to our mortal bodies. I think you can get all the way there. But the only way to get there is to believe that Jesus is better on the front end instead of the back end. Listen, Anybody can believe this in their mind after they've walked down another road of sin, another relationship that ended in brokenness, another pathway that didn't give you what you were looking for. Anybody can believe that the morning after. Oh, I don't belong here. Once again, it didn't satisfy. But a citizen of heaven is able to wake up in the morning and set their mind beforehand that, you know what? I could look a lot of spaces and I could look to a lot of people and I could go down a lot of roads and explore a lot of options. But at the end of the day, I'm not where I belong. I don't belong in this world. I'm not a citizen of this place. I actually belong in a heaven reality. And if I can go ahead and make up my mind right here and right now that no place I could look today can give me what I really want, maybe I'll find the one thing my heart longs for better, the one person my heart longs for. His name is Jesus. See, the message today is so, so simple. Stop searching. Start setting. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. Stop searching in your mind. Anybody just driven crazy by how aimless your mind is? Especially in a generation of social media where we've got these devices in our pockets that are offering to think for us. And so we spend most of the day just searching, not even necessarily for something that will fill the void. We've given up on that. You know what we're searching for? We're searching for something that will numb the pain. I'll just be honest with you. That's why I use social media and my phone as much as I do. It's less about finding fulfillment. I don't believe that stuff can fulfill me, but I do believe it can get me a shot of something that can numb me from feeling the pain of not having what I truly want on the inside and not thinking the way I truly want to think. Sure. You'll just think for me. Sure. You'll just feel for me. Sure. I'll just let you decide instead of setting my mind to the reality of no, I was not made to live that way. I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. I belong there. I belong in his presence and i will be there one day but heaven can come to earth today if you set your mind to that new reality it's possible heaven lives in you did you know that christian heaven will feel like it is sleeping on the inside of your soul until the spirit is awakened by a mind that is set on things above the holy spirit loves when you think about heaven did you know that this is why one of the enemy's main attacks on our minds is to get us to think about anything and everything except the fact that we are going to die and live forever somewhere else. That's why, when's the only time we think about death? We're at a funeral. If we, if we can avoid it until that point, we're not gonna think about the expiration date of our lives. We're not gonna really explore anything eternal until we absolutely have to because it's too painful to think about when the Christian life is the opposite. The Christian life is start your day with I'm not gonna live forever Here. <laughs> And so why would I look here to give me what I ultimately want on the inside? When your mind starts to guide your heart by already being set, instead of your heart guiding your mind with the emptiness, with that numbness, with that internal battle, that's the beginning of the source of life named Jesus starting to fill you up. Is this helping anybody today? It's helping me. I mean, this is like, it is good. This is like Christianity 101. And and I think... A lot of times we get more impressed by some kind of new teaching or a wave of freshness. It's like, oh, I've never thought about it like that before. But maybe if we just come back to the beginning and start with the very beginning of that sentence, I never thought about that. It starts with your thoughts. The basics of Christianity is Jesus has died to save you, given you the fullness of life here and now, lives on the inside of you, but he's not going to to seem alive on the inside of you unless your mind has been renewed to the new condition of your heart. Your mind has to be set. Your mind has to catch up. Somebody say it's a mindset. I want to teach you how to set your mind. I'm going to give you three things that you need to set your mind on every day. This does not take long. In fact, I believe it could take 15 seconds. If you legitimately sit down and actually let these three statements roll through your mind. I believe it will wake you up more than that. It'll wake up the spirit within you who was never sleeping. You were the sleeper who needed to be awakened by the Holy Spirit, who's just on the inside of you, quenched by all the things that you're trying to numb that internal emptiness with. But now he's awakened the moment you go, oh my gosh, I'm setting my mind on things above. I'm setting my mind on Jesus. I'm awakened to the fact that I'm going to die and live forever in his presence. And now I can see clearly. Three statements. My mind is set, number one, on what matters in life. On what matters in life. Paul says their mind is set on earthly things. Yes, it is, and so is ours. Naturally, our minds race all day long with the cares and anxieties of this world. One of the most beautiful things about eternity and the fact that we won't continue this life forever, is that when you start thinking about heaven for just a few seconds, it simplifies life a lot. Very few things that you're freaking out about, that you really care about, that you're overwhelmed about, actually ultimately matter. Very few, if any. So you start exploring in your mind of like, okay, this life's gonna end. I'm not taking any of my stuff with me. Not taking any of the results of the things that I'm so overwhelmed by with me. I'm only really taking my own intimate relationship with Jesus and how God used that in the overflow of the relationships around me, what that helps me do. And I hope what it helps you do is overwhelm your mind with what really matters. And you spend time with Jesus long enough and you realize like when Jesus talked about the seed that scattered, the seed that fell on the ground with the thorns, that the thorns that came and scorched the growth of, of that life were the cares of this world, the stuff that really doesn't matter. I would say 99.9% of what you are worried about of what you are anxious about or what you are constantly scrolling in your mind about, it doesn't matter. I look at the person next to you and say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That'll help them because you know them. It doesn't really matter. But it'll feel like it matters until your mind goes, oh, that's right. I'm going to heaven and I will live forever in the kingdom of God. And he really is all that matters. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about heaven long enough for these three things to become clear to you. These are sub points. It's bonus day at Auburn Community Church. You ready for this to happen? For things to matter less. If you're around Jesus for any amount of time, things, what are things? Things, stuff. It's just a thing. It's just a situation. It's just a season. It's just a thing. My things matter less the more that I am around Jesus. And you know what else happens? People matter more. You start you stop looking at all these things that you're stressed out about and these things that you need to solve and these things that you need to figure out. And you start looking at the eternal souls all around you who are all that we're really going to have in the kingdom that's to come. None of the things are coming. People are coming and they're in, landing in one of two places. And a lot of that landing point depends on whether or not you and me set our minds to the fact that that place does exist and it will last forever. So now my things matter less, people matter more. Now I'm able to stop aiming my day at the person I see in the mirror, which is so freeing. I'm so tired of caring about myself. I, I really am. I've I've told our staff team it's getting scary for me how over myself I'm getting. I told them that in staff meeting this week. I said, I'm worried about how I'm gonna start preaching because God's given me a freedom from really caring and, and really like wanting, I mean, I wanna be wise and wanna make sure, yes, I wanna live my life for the glory of God, but it's like, my gosh, the stuff that our world, that our culture, even our church culture values, it just doesn't matter. What really matters is people. So I don't, like honestly, I don't really care if you like theologically line up with how I'm preaching the Bible today. I care about the single mom who's at the end of herself and needs to encounter Jesus today and just needs somebody to hug her and love on her. And that's the kind of church we want to be. That's what I mean by people matter more than things. It's like I start thinking about eternity and I go, yeah, that thing I'm tempted to really grab onto really doesn't matter. And she does. And he does. And they need me to get my eyes off of myself and onto them. You know what else happens? Things matter less. People matter more. Jesus matters most. You Come to figure out that there is nothing that matters at a higher level than his kingdom, than him being glorified. I was on my face praying for you this morning and thinking about the kingdom of God and I felt so small in such a beautiful way. Do you know when we go to heaven, we are going to be like 0% of the focus? So beautiful. I was thinking about what Jesus' entrance is going to look like into his kingdom and how little anyone there will be thinking about me or you and how awesome that is. Like he'll care and he'll love us, but like he's the goal. He's the lead story. He's the front page and the back page, Alpha, Omega, total story. But you don't really believe that in your mind until you think about heaven. It's not enough to just think about when you prayed the prayer to receive Christ and all the things that God's doing in your life right now. You've got to think about eternity. You've got to get your mind on that space that's not yet seen and the things that we don't know and go, oh my gosh, you matter more than anything or anyone else matters today. And now watch this. My heart will become a reflection of my mind that's already been made up and set. Instead of your mind searching all day for who it's all about, from the beginning it is set. Jesus matters most. So, your mind has to be set on what matters in this life. That's number one. Number two is this My mind is set on who satisfies my heart. On who satisfies my heart. Our tendency is to operate from internal depletion and inadequacy. And so, so many of our actions are simply to answer the question that rings true in every human soul, no matter how young, no matter how old, no matter how tough, no matter how bold. It's this question Am I enough? Am I enough? And when will it be enough on the inside of me for me to truly be satisfied? And you're going to find out one of two ways in this life. Everybody look at me and don't miss this. You're going to find out one of two ways every day that you live that the only person who can satisfy the human heart is Jesus. And you're going to find out by looking somewhere else and ending up burned and broken again, or you're going to find out by actually setting your mind to it at the beginning of your day, and he never disappoints he'll overwhelm you with how much better he is than you actually thought he was. Psalm chapter 90, Moses said this. He said, satisfy us in the morning. You don't gotta turn there, but I want you to pay attention to the word morning. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. I think about Moses writing that and I think about the manna in the wilderness and how in the morning they had just enough. And I like that he says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Why? Because if you wait until evening, it'll be too late. You'll have tried to satisfy yourself all day with things that don't satisfy and end up in that broken pattern that you've repeated again and again and again. You've got to get yourself satisfied internally in the morning with God's love. How do I do that? I set my mind on the fact that I can go in any direction today and none of it is going to satisfy the desires of my heart. It's going to break me again. It's going to disappoint me again. And if you can go ahead and convince yourself of that at the beginning instead of the end, maybe there won't be that broken end. Maybe there won't be that disappointment at the end, but you're like, I know how this is going to end. And the only way I can stop that cycle from continuing to perpetuate is if I renew my mind right now, it won't, he won't, they won't, he will satisfy. He's enough. And so what does it mean to satisfy yourself on the love of God? You know, Friday I was preparing for this sermon And reading this verse and feeling so disconnected from the Lord. And I read this verse and it says, well, it says that you should sing. I legitimately don't think I had smiled all day. It was like 1030 a.m. And I just felt the Holy Spirit in the room being like, hey, can you just like smile a little bit? Like if you're going to sing, you're going to have to like get that frown off your face. And maybe the love of God will start to flow. Try it. Some of y'all haven't all day today. That's why Matt gets up here and you guys drive him crazy sometimes because he's looking at people who look like they want to kill him. He's about to sing praise to God and he's like, God, these people are coming for me. He's like King David. He's like, they, they don't like me. Just do it Even right now. Smile. Try it. It's awesome. Think about the faithfulness of God. See, It's so, it's so good to be up here when they're doing that too. You should try it. Um, but he's like, if you're going to be satisfied with my unfailing love, you might have to sing. And if you have to sing, you might have to smile. And you might have to go, you are good. I love the life you've given me. More than I, and I do love my daughters. I love my wife. I love our house. I love this church. I love every detail about our life. More than I love the, the things, I just love him. He is so great. He is so awesome. And sometimes my face doesn't reflect that because my mind hasn't reflected on that. I've got to set my mind. He is the only one who satisfies my heart. And maybe your behavior will follow that I don't belong here mentality. You're like, C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, I can only conclude logically that I was made for another world. You were, you are, you don't belong here. If you did, you'd find what you're looking for. And so going, I don't belong here because nobody can feel this on the inside of me except him. And now maybe you won't spend your, all, your days sifting through the competition that's like competing against Jesus, but you'll go ahead and cancel the competition at the beginning of the day. I'm satisfied in the morning with your unfailing love. You're the only one who can satisfy. Is this good? Is this helpful? Somebody say mindset, mindset. Last one. I've got to set my mind. My mind is set on what matters in this life. My mind is set on who satisfies my heart. And lastly, my mind is set on where eternity is spent on where eternity is spent. I find it shocking how little Christians are actually willing to think about and talk about heaven. And I think it's because we know that once we're there, we're gonna realize that everything we thought about heaven was kind of a little bit off, kind of a little wrong. So we don't wanna even envision it. We don't wanna take the scriptures from the Bible that actually give us hints to what it's gonna be like. We just wanna put it off until we have to. In fact, I tried to preach a message about this that I thought was... I thought it was decent. I preached a message called "Life After Death" in the Coliseum a couple months ago in our Reframing Jesus series, and if I could just be honest about the way I felt about it, I was feeling it. You guys weren't. it was like, eh, I don't really know if we can. That was a strong chord, um, and, uh, and, and and thank you because it's a strong sermon. And so, I uh, it's so cool to say things out of security and not care what people think. God's like doing something new on the inside of me. That moment was great. Thank you. We do that at ten thirty. I preached that message and I was like, man, wow, we do. We need to think about the fact that we're going to live forever in heaven. We need to think about the fact that we live in resurrection bodies. And I could just feel the confusion in your eyes. I could, I could sense it. If you have never read the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn, you need to read the book. He basically sits down and says, hey, nobody's ever endeavored to like explain what we do know about heaven from a biblical perspective and so i'm gonna do it and here we go he gets into the specifics like like this is what i think we'll do every day this these are things that will be in heaven these are things that won't this is what life is gonna you know in heaven it's not an eternal worship service where we float on clouds with overweight babies and enjoy the songs of the ain't that's what we think like oh heaven i don't really want it like like we'll be alive a new earth is heaven so we're, we're not like going to some far away place that we've never seen before God's going to redeem the earth and create a new earth it's called the new Jerusalem we're going to live there with resurrected bodies what are they going to be like like Jesus's did you not read the verse from Philippians who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body what did his, his glorious body do some cool stuff walk through doors eat what do you, what do you think food is going to be like You guys are doing it again. You're looking at me like I shouldn't be that excited. I am excited. And I think it's amazing that we're going to spend forever in a space that overwhelms our heart with satisfaction. So much so, it will be hard to believe we could be more satisfied. But what does scripture say about Jesus? It says that in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you know what we're going to do in heaven? Have God show us all the things that we were made for, none of them more than himself. And so now I've got to like, I've got to think about that. I've got to make up my mind. Oh my gosh, heaven is where I belong. And if we try to build a kingdom for ourselves, this side of heaven in the United States of America, we will end up disappointed. Coming into a year, 2020, the, the division's already rising up. Our hopelessness in our political system, even though I believe our political system is the best that the world has to offer, so broken. If you still have hope that being a citizen of the United States of America is going to be the key to world peace and this life being fulfilled, good luck. (laughs) But I believe the message that we are citizens of heaven is more than even that. It's a knowledge that in heaven, the king of my heart will be the king of all. I love, love our democratic republic. Love even with all the division, love that we get to have an election. But I'm, 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 I got some news for those of you who are convinced that that's the only way to do it. Heaven is not a democratic republic. Heaven is an absolute monarchy. It is a monarchy with one king. There are no elections. There is no voice saying, well, I think this person should rule. There's Alpha and Omega. He's been on the throne from the beginning. He'll be on the throne forever. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. His name is Jesus, but he's not just the king of heaven. He's the king of heaven on the inside of my heart, and he'll be awakened on the inside of you when you set your mind on things above instead of things of this world. And so now in the morning, what would it look like to set your mind on what matters, to set your mind on who satisfies and to set your mind going, oh, I'm one day closer to forever. And for most of you in this room, that's great knowledge. For a few of you, that's scary. Because some of you don't know Jesus personally. And if I could humbly just tell you today, if you don't know Jesus personally, your eternity is not spent in a place called heaven. The only reason why we call it heaven is because Jesus is there. Heaven is wherever Jesus is. It's not a place, it's a person. So if Jesus comes to earth and builds a new earth, that's called heaven and earth colliding. So cool that it collides in us right now. But if you're here and that collision's never happened, you will not spend eternity in the presence of Jesus because Jesus cannot be, God cannot be in the presence of your sin. It's why Jesus had to die. It's why God couldn't just, okay, forget that they did a bad thing. They can come be with me. No, there had to be a price, a perfect sacrifice. And that sacrifice was paid for you, but it's not effectual until you have a moment where you go, okay, I surrender. You are the only one who satisfies my heart. I want heaven forever. I want to live my life for who matters most. It's you, Jesus. And if that's you in this moment right now, I want to ask you to take a step. I want to ask you to pray a prayer to invite Jesus into your life to live life in our faith community here in Auburn, Alabama, or in another one if you feel called. But this is what it means to live as a citizen of heaven in a lost, dark, and broken world. Would you close your eyes all over this room? The band's gonna come up here. I just wanna ask, if that's you today, if you're here and you would like for me to guide you in a prayer, to invite Jesus into your heart, would you just raise your hand right where you are right now so I see you, so I know that's you in this space? If you're like, man, I I want Jesus. I want Jesus today. I want to know that my home is in heaven. Wow. Wow. I want you to pray a simple prayer. You can put your hands down. I want you to pray this prayer Jesus, I give you my life. You can have my heart. You can have my mind. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my everything. I know you and God have a lot more to talk about than just those few things, but this is a huge step for you. It's a huge step of surrender. Jesus, I'm yours. If you're here today and you would say, man, I am going to heaven. I do believe Jesus is the son of God, but my mind has been on earthly things lately. And I wanna make a physical commitment to setting my mind on heavenly things. I'm awakened in this moment right now. I wanna pray for you as well. Would you raise your hand right where you are right now? If that's you today, your mind's been on earthly things. You've been stuck, you've been frustrated. Father God, I thank you for the honesty that's present in this room. I thank you that your spirit is here. I pray in Jesus name that for these hands lifted and these families and lives represented that heaven would collide with earth today and that it would happen because we set our minds on heaven. Wake us up to who you are in this space. In you, in you alone is life. In you, in you alone is heaven. So God, we see you. You're all that matters. God, take this offering today. Take these moments that we get together and make them count forever. We sing to you now, reminding our hearts with smiles on our faces that you are who you say you are. We give you this moment in Jesus' name. Amen.